As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic's Football GM Podcast. And now, the Athletics' Mike Sando and former NFL Executive of the Year, Randy Muir. Welcome, everybody, to the Football GM Podcast. They used to always ask us, what do you do in the offseason? Middle of June. How the heck is Mike Sando, that's me, senior writer from The Athletic, Randy Mueller, He's the GM, former NFL executive of the year. How are we going to come up with some topics in the middle of June? And it just it's easy, Randy, isn't it? I mean, there's always something. Yeah, it sure is. I, I've been dying to talk about OTAs, and we haven't even got to that the last couple of weeks. So I just think of all these things that are going on around the league, and, and we have to prioritize. And least of all we talk about is what's going on on the field. So it'll be interesting to get into some of that as we go uh, over the next uh, few minutes anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you just add, I'm going to add in the OTAs thing. See, the, Randy and I worked together in this little, uh, this Google Doc, right? So it's a shared document. And that was something that I don't think that was formally on there, but it is on there now. We're going to talk a little OTAs. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got other stuff too. Randy's got a couple of under the radar signings to analyze. You know, there's kind of a difference between the ones that always make all the headlines and some of the ones that are really interesting. And Randy's got a couple of those that are a little under the radar. What do we got? Jets fans, Packer fans might be interested in those. Uh, Randy's got a couple of free agents that are still out there that might be good gets. And we'll, we'll talk about um, those two players. We'll put a maybe a bow, kind of finish up the, the Julio Jones trade. Um, our Ask the GM segment that usually comes at the end. We are so big time now, wink, wink, that uh, they're spinning this thing off into a uh, separate segment for our Apple bonus episodes. And I think we're going to... We may be talking about Aaron Rodgers and Mark Murphy, that fun little sparring session that's going on. Randy, I didn't bring a, uh, a shirt that says I'm offended or has any other, <laughs> no subtle message for our editors at The Athletic or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe that's sometime in the future. First, though, let's not talk about this Le'Veon Bell, uh, Andy Reid, the particulars of whatever the dust up is. But I think there's some topics here uh, to talk about involving these two guys and I want to use this just as a as a little bit of an appreciation for Andy Reid because you almost never hear anybody complain about Andy Reid as a coach. Could you imagine what's the equivalent of a complaining about a player complaining about Andy Reid is the equivalent of I don't even know what. 
Yeah. I guess what you're referring to is the comments that Le'Veon Bell made disparaging Andy Reid uh, this week, saying he wouldn't play for him again, so he kind of derailed his career. I just shook my head. I mean, yeah. uh, every time Le'Veon Bell comes out with something crazy like this, or even when I watch him on Sundays, I just can't get out of my mind. That year he sat out for the Steelers, right? Just two short years ago, he was at the top of his game and he decided to take a hiatus. He was so good, he didn't need to play. And I don't think his career has got back on track. I don't think that's a secret to anybody, but yeah. I just think he lost it. It was like the superpowers in uh, Space Jam, right? He lost yeah. his mojo. He, he hasn't yeah. got his mojo back. And for whatever yeah. reason, it keeps being everybody else's fault. And at some point, he's going to have to look in the mirror and figure out what, what has you know, not been there for him the last couple of years and stop blaming coaches, stop blaming systems. And, and you're right. I mean, Andy Reid, gosh, I'll let you talk about some of the specifics, but he's, for me, he's an all-time uh, probably Hall of Fame coach sooner than later. Yeah. So I love to talk about uh, and just think about how to appreciate coaches because I think in football, kind of the division of credit is a harder thing, right? If we, if we watch a golf tournament, Randy, we can analyze Tiger Woods' career against Jack Nicholas's career, whatever, just by right. how well they do in tournaments against their peers, and it's all on them. I mean, yeah, right. your caddy might save you a couple strokes here or there, but it's on the golfer. Right. Um, even in basketball, when we watch these NBA playoff games, you can really see the impact that an individual player has, right? I mean, right. Kevin Durant changes teams, and or LeBron changes teams. It can shift the whole balance of power um, for the whole league. In football, we always kind of wonder, like, was it Brady or was it Belichick, right? I mean, and we know it's both, but, but yeah. you know, you rarely see – I guess my point on Andy Reid is this. You rarely see guys who have sustained success in the league and multiple different teams without having great quarterbacks, right? And so uh, – and, and Andy Reid has the best quarterback now. He wouldn't have a Super Bowl championship without Mahomes, so even he needs one. But – he he had a two decade career with two teams, with Donovan McNabb, who's a good quarterback, and Alex Smith's a good quarterback. That is rare, right? I think you're right. Yeah, I think the thing about exactly what you're saying is when you're around long enough, like Andy Reid has been, to allow yourself to evolve, right? To change yeah. enough things within the way you do things, but yet not get away from your basics of of working hard, of doing certain things that, that pay attention to details. I think Randy uh, Andy Reid has been the tale of that. He has taken what he learned from Mike Holmgren for years in Green Bay and kind of evolved that to the next level in Philly. And now when he's got to Kansas City, obviously the quarterback, like you mentioned, allows him some more rope, right? So he's got more room to experiment and do things. And he's taken that to the next level, whether it's the way he does his protections, whether the way he spreads the field on personnel groupings. It's not, you know, the, the Packers offense of Mike Holmgren uh, 15 years ago. He has evolved this whole system. And I think he doesn't get enough credit because he's been around so long. Everybody thinks he's an old head coach, right? But he's evolved this whole offensive system and given way to some of the new principles and new ways of doing things, in my opinion. And that was really what separated Belichick for so long. Sometimes he's running a 4-3 defense. He's a defensive coach. He'll have a 4-3 base defense, a 3-4. Yep. It's evolved with the times and the way the game is played. And I think that's a great point. If you remember a few years ago, uh, Andy Reid hired Brad Childers. He just studied the college game, you know. Right. And if you go back and if we put on the tape from his, uh, you know, his 
the middle of the 2000s, it's going to be two running backs. It's going to be 21 personnel. There, you know what I mean? There's going to be uh, a totally different, more yep. conventional, old school look. To, it'll look just like Mike Holmgren's offense, really, you know, which right. was a great offense, but had to change, had to right. evolve with the times. And, you know, on the quarterback point, it, Andy Reid is sort of sneakily sixth in wins in the history of the league, 221 mm. wins. Wow. Um, and if you look at the guys ahead of him, Don Shula had Bob Greasy and Dan Marino for decades. George Hallis had Sid Luckman for a long time. Belichick had Tom Brady for almost two decades. You can't separate Tom Landry from Roger Staubach. Even Curly Lambeau. I, I, I never watched Arnie Herbert play, but he's a Hall of Fame quarterback that he had for a long time. The next guy on that list is Andy Reid. And he has Patrick Mahomes now, but it's a, for a very short slice of that career, he was successful that whole time. And it's just really rare to me, you know, when when I look at what makes the right coaches, and we've talked about this with guys like Marty Schottenheimer and Chuck Knox too. I always look at, could they do it in more than one place? And he's been to the Super Bowl in two different places. Right? Did you do it with more than one quarterback? He did. Did you turn losing teams into winning teams? That's really hard. He's done it in two places. I mean, think where the Chiefs were. I mean, they, they had yeah. real issues like um, – I mean, they had a, a shooting in their parking lot, you know, that type right. of stuff, like really hard to to overcome. And then like what you said, were they directly involved in really important stuff like the quarterback? They have their hands on the quarterback, the game plan, the the um, play calling. Right. And it's yeah. just every one of those boxes with Andy Reid, you just keep checking them. Right. And you can go back to even more fundamental things than that. I, I compare him because, you know, he came up under Mike Homer and I spent some time with Mike as well. I think Mike's a Hall of Fame coach, 100%, no doubt in my mind. But Andy Reid has been authentic enough to himself to take these things from Mike Holmgren. Because if you watch these two, they're similar personality-wise. They, they have the same mannerisms about them. I mean, it's crazy how similar these guys are. But Andy has done enough to be himself and not try to be anything else. I think that's the big thing is during – guys have been around forever, have to be authentic to who they are. It, you know, Nick Saban has his style. Andy Reid has his style. Bill Belichick has his style. Everybody has their own style. They can't be something that they're not because players figure that out, right? They they yep. know if you're a fraud or not. Well, there's nothing fraudish about Andy Reid, if that's even a word, right? I mean, he is pure. Yeah. You understand everything he's about. I think the thing that I always come back to with Andy Reid, and, and Mike was like this too, and I'm referencing Mike Holmgren, they have an unbelievable ability to kick a player in the ass, and five minutes later, they're hugging him. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? That's coaching to me. The great ones all do that. You can be hugging them and, and cussing them all in the same drill, and everybody comes out of it better. So there's no animosity, There's and it's teaching, right? It's all about teaching, and these players know that these guys love them because they have their, their heart in, in their own mind about what works with each one of these guys, and I think that's what really coaching is. Other than the X's and O's part, you've got to be authentic as a person. Yes, it's interesting. You said it's almost like teaching or parenting, right? If yeah. you're, you can discipline your kids or whatever, but if you're just doing it because you lost your temper, you know, and you're, right. and you're, and you're mad and right. you don't really have any answers or, or have an explanation for why you're doing things, you're not going to have the long term successful effects. In fact, you're going to have harmful effects. Yeah. You know? you're, you're doing them a disservice if you don't discipline them. 
And it's the same thing with coaching. You're doing them a disservice. I see that now around the league a lot where coaches think it's a, they're, they're, sometimes they're up for election, right? They're, they're looking to gather support. They're looking to gather, uh, uh, motivation from the other guys that, from the players that, that, that they can use to go to the owner or go to the GM that, that the team hasn't quit on them. Some of these coaches really care about that stuff. I think the greatest ones just do their job and they do whatever it takes. They're not looking for a personal agenda. They're not running for office. They're not looking to win friends and influence people. They just are who they are, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, I remember you're talking about different ways to get on, you know, to discipline players or whatever, or have, run a tight ship but not be a jerk or, or be respected, I guess. Yeah. Holmgren used to just chew out his coaches in front of the players. And then yeah. the player would sort of, you know, feel guilty that he let down his coach. Right. And, and right. it was a way of getting on the player, but in an indirect way. And so the, the poor, you know, whoever the quarterback coach, he might really be taking it on the chin, but there was right. a method to doing it. You know, I think Andy Reid has that touch too. And that's why this is such a rare, uh, maybe a Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> I mean, this, that's why this says more about Le'Veon Bell than Andy Reid, because yeah. Andy's got 20 years and this right. never happens. That's why I think it rang hollow throughout the league. I don't think anybody even gave it, you know, two pints yeah. of you know what. I mean, nobody really thought through it from from Le'Veon Bell's side, I guess, and that's a little disrespectful. But I just think you got to consider the source in this case. I've never heard anybody say this about Andy Reid, as most of us in the yeah. league have not. So yeah. that gave us a good chance to sort of appreciate his career too. Is he? Yeah, I think we're we're always we always knew Andy Reid's a great coach, but when you add that Super Bowl on there and look at where they're at now and the clip that they're winning at with yep. a team that he's really helped build. I mean, he's built. He picked the GM, even you know. Right. No, the numbers the numbers you put it beside all this too makes it clear clear as day for me. So I think yeah. it was a, it is a good idea to to kind of smell the roses as we go through some of these names and topics and yep. and events of the league for sure. Absolutely. So transitioning on to to the. The second thing we wanted to talk about today was a couple of interesting signings. And I like this one, Randy. This is a good idea because uh, you can spend so much time, you know, following the whatever the latest Aaron Rodgers comment or things that that are kind of interesting. And they are important, but they're not necessarily they may just go away, too. Right. Whereas the signing of a player has, um, you know, has an impact a direct impact on the field. The first one you circled was the re-signing by the Jets of Jamison Crowder. Yeah. Jamison Crowder is not a huge name, Randy. So tell us why you think this is kind of a cool little deal. Well, first off, let me just say this. I framed this, all of this discussion we're fixing to have in that when all the Aaron Rodgers saga is going on, the Drew Locke saga, the, the uh, uh, Watson saga in Houston, GMs are in their office trying to build their team still. The month of Jan- uh, of June is not an off month for everybody. You're still grinding, trying to put together what you think will be a good 53-man roster and adding to the competition that you're going to have during camp. So you have all this stuff going on. And I see these things that come up every day that tell me guys are still, they're still tweaking their roster. The thing about the Jamison Crowder uh, re-signing was, and, and he obviously he's the receiver with the Jets. It's been around a few years, had signed a pretty decent contract a couple years ago. So he 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 um had a chance, I guess, to move on. They wanted to reduce his pay. I think the delivery of a message like that to a player is always interesting because a player takes it two ways. Usually, you know, they 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 take it personally initially. But if they have a good agent and if they do their research, they understand then where the team is coming from. And I thought this was an example of 
Jameson Crowder and his agent, who I don't even know who it is, he, he, he's sharp though, I'll give him credit for this, having done their research and not taking it personally and not making a knee-jerk reaction to say, hey, I'm going to play, for, if I'm going to play for less, it's going to be for somewhere else and for somebody else. And I thought clearer heads prevailed in this case. I think it's also, uh, uh, and, and for those that don't know, he re-signed with the Jets, took less money, and yeah, he's going to be a free agent a year from now, but all the reasons made sense to me. And I thought by him staying there, it was also a, a really positive referendum on what Joe Douglas and the Jets are doing. Because he would not have stayed had he not thought they had a chance to be decent and that he, he didn't like the offense or kind of the plan going forward. He would have ran from that because this would have given him a chance to. And I think it by staying there, he signs off on exactly what they're doing there. He likes the quarterback. He likes the new offense. So that that was a good sign for me in more ways than one, that he had decided to stay. I think the other thing was, in from a business standpoint, puts him in the market next year where teams are going to have money. And at a yep. time, they're going to have money. He, nobody wants to be a free agent in June. Nobody has any money to spend on you. So you want to be a free agent in February, and that's what this deal does. He doesn't. He spent the spring there. He's learned a new system now. He can see the fruits of that through this fall, and then he can be a free agent in February. So I just thought it made a lot of sense to me. I like the signing. I think he's a good player. I think he lends himself skill set wise to having a productive year in this system. So it kind of stood out for me, and I thought it was kudos to him and the Jets. Yeah, and kind of one of those nice security blanket players for a young quarterback too, right? I mean, yes. he's not he's not Randy Moss or you know some Julio. It's not the Julio Jones signing, but you need guys like this. Um, yeah. you, you know, he can help you in the slot and that type of stuff. And this kid can run, so there's yeah. some skills there that I think will make it easier on Zach Wilson. The speed factor being maybe the most prevalent one, from at least for my money. Yeah, absolutely. I looked it up. Tory Dandy of CAA is his agent. Okay. And then you know, I kind of i I did a little. Quick stat research note on on Jameson Crowder last season. If you remember, the Jets had nothing at receiver, so he was yeah. he was Jerry Rice for them when right. he was there because you know Robbie Anderson left. They really were down uh, to nothing. But when he was on the field last season, they had thirteen touchdown passes, seven interceptions. When he was off, it was three touchdowns and seven interceptions. So that's not obviously all him. There's other things that go into that, but I'll take it. Right, you're looking yeah. for something statistically to, to back up what you see and feel and they were twice as likely to throw a touchdown pass when he was on the field as compared to not just as a percentage of their pass attempts. So nice little signing there. Our other one that you circled was Devondre Campbell. Yes. Linebacker signed by the Packers leaving Arizona. And this is a classic one, Randy, because this just goes totally under the radar. No one's talking about this. Right. But you've watched some of the films. So yeah, you know, you I look at a lot of these guys on the street and trying to figure out who I would still want on my team. And this is a guy that I that jumped out at me watching tape last year. And I was shocked during free agency that nobody signed this guy. I think Devonde Campbell brings a three down linebacker to the Packers in a way that he can play on third downs. He He's instinctive. Um, he's very athletic. And the things that I saw on paper, he, he's very productive. I mean, talk about a ton of plays. The, thing, the things that I saw on paper also showed up on film. So it all added up to me. Uh, I'm not sure why nobody had signed him to this point, other than maybe the inside linebacker position is taking a little backseat, taking a little hit now, and, and is being viewed a little bit as a devalued position for whatever reason. Because in most cases, those guys do come off the field on third downs. But this is a guy that can play all the time. I don't think he has to come off the, off the field ever. I just think he's, he's, he's a 
really good instinctively in the passing game as well. He plays the ball like a defensive back. And I was just impressed with this kid as a player. I think that for the Packers, you get a guy mid-June that's going to pay dividends for you in November or December. I think all the attention, like you say, is on Aaron Rodgers, but this was a good get for them. And these are the kind of moves that around the league interest those of us uh, that are involved in the personnel side of it. You can still make your team better if you do the right things. And, and that kind of leads us to some more guys that are even out there that I think teams are still looking at. And it's all risk and reward. It's all, can we get them for the right price? Those are the things being discussed in, in NFL front offices. Absolutely. We'll get to a couple of those guys. Last season, Devondre Campbell, 16 games, 840 snaps, 99 tackles, two sacks, six pressures, a forced pretty fumble. Good. Yeah. Sounds like pretty good production. Um, I know our Astute readers are scrambling to see how pro football focus graded them. But guess what, folks? <laughs> People in the league love pro football focus. They subscribe to it. They pay them a lot of money. They do it for their data, which is incredible. Exactly. They have dozens upon dozens of columns of charted material that's pretty dang good. And teams love it. Analytics departments love it. Front offices love it. But people don't rally in the league. Pay for the grades. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. say that. So he has a low grade in there. I'm not sure why, but uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Randy disagrees <laughs> and he looked at the film and we're going with Randy on this one. Now, two interesting free agents still on the street. Who's your first guy? Well, again, I'm going back to the desert and I'm going back to the fact that they've kind of remade their defense there. But when they lost this guy last Cardinals, year on defense, yeah. I'm sorry, the, yeah, the Arizona Cardinals, uh, I'm going back to them because when they lost this guy during the season last year, their defense suffered. And I'm talking about Corey Peters, the defensive tackle. He's still rehabbing from a knee. You'd have to start probably the season on pup. We've seen teams sign a couple offensive linemen like this that won't be available till after week six or week eight or week 10 when that pup window opens up, I think this guy would be a great fit for somebody. The thing about Corey Peters is, and he's 33 years old, he plays really hard and he's a good run defender. I just think this guy would really be a solid second half of the season addition for a defense that has worn down. There's a though When he comes in, he should have some fresh legs. He should be 100% by November. And I think the last eight weeks of the season, somebody's going to get a good player. And I, I think the nature of the defensive line position, there's just not enough of these guys going around. And that's always been the case. I would, If I was a, a team right now, I'd look to find a way to sign this guy, bring him in, monitor his, his rehab, and then have him ready to go for the second half of the season. I thought it'd be a great signing. And we'll see how that one plays out. It's one I'll be following for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you mentioned that. I, I, I kind of thought of Seattle a little bit. You know, they lost Jerron Reed, and you would know better than me, you know, how that fit would be. But but teams that you can always use another defensive lineman, right? 100%. Especially <laughs> inside that plays the run. That's the thing. Yeah. You, you can't find these guys with enough quickness to get upfield as an inside pass rusher, but then have the strength to play the run. And I think Corey Peters has always been like that. When I went back and looked at the film last year, none of that had changed. This guy was a good playing dude now. And he played yeah. all the time and played really hard. And like I say, I thought Arizona's defense suffered when he went down. Yeah. So he was 43 snaps a game for eight games last year. Corey Peters was, and sometimes you look for connections around the league, like, okay, who did he play for? 
And Bruce Arians was one of those guys. So we'll, we'll look at that would be unfair, right? They have enough oh, defensive geez. linemen, you would think. James Betcher was the D coordinator in Arizona when they signed him. He's with the 49ers, I think, uh, coaching the defensive line, I believe. Or is he might be a senior defensive assistant. I can't remember. He was previously in Atlanta. And all those guys aren't in the league that were there before. So there's not a lot of just natural tie-ins to say who's going to sign him. But that's a name to keep in mind, Corey Peters. Um, our second one people are more familiar with, I think. That's linebacker K.J. Wright. I have my own thoughts on what's happening here, but Randy, you're the GM, not me. Let's hear what you think about his availability. Well, I think the biggest thing that probably is hindering teams from jumping on him is he's 32 years old, right? And I think initially he probably asked for a lot of money. I think he made about seven and a half million last year with Seattle, but still a very productive player. You're talking about very versatile. I think he fits in almost any style of defense because he can play inside, outside. He can even rush the passer a little bit. I just think as a veteran player still on the street right now, there's a lot of value there. And But I think what's going to happen is there's, there's going to have to be an injury. Uh, around the league somewhere at a position like this. And then they're going to have to go out. Because I don't think he'll come for the minimum. But I think you get a guy like this for three or four million a year. Once you, If you have an injury, you're talking about a guy that's smart, very instinctive, could come in and learn your scheme quickly and be a factor down the, run, down the stretch of a, of a playoff team especially. But um, I think if they haven't already started doing the research on K.J. Wright, I think a lot of teams are right now trying to these, – these are the kind of fits – that you'll see over the next couple of weeks when OTAs wind down and and some of these GMs now have a little better idea about their teams, having spent the spring with them, having gone through some OTAs. Now they really know their teams and, and the next level of adding to your roster will be, you know, for some teams, a guy like KJ Wright. I know, you know, I think in the past, Randy, guys always played as long as they could, right? You just hang around. I think it'll be interesting with somebody like that who's played a long time, made a good amount of money, is there a price that he won't play for? And I don't know. I don't know what his mentality is thinking of. But I was thinking of that with some other guys off of you know off of that great Seattle defense historically, like Richard Sherman. Right? Um, yeah. He's going to probably go in the Hall of Fame. But I think there's a number that he doesn't play for. You, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I, I think uh, even Earl Thomas, with all his problems, if he signed somewhere for the minimum, he someone would sign him for the minimum and just bring him to camp, right? Just check it out, see if we could do it. Uh, but he did not plan for that. So uh, what's the number for KJ Wright to find it worth his while? He's 32. Maybe it is 3 million. Maybe it is uh, yeah. lower than that. But it's kind of a consideration. I think we've seen some more, we've seen more guys decide to not play at certain points. And uh, I guess the money has gotten so crazy that that's the mentality, right? I don't know that yeah. KJ Wright's in that mix. I don't know if he is either. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather be employed at three and a half million than unemployed at ten. I know that any day, but oh, I, I understand yeah. these guys have a lot of money in the bank, and maybe they don't think it's worth it. I don't know. That's, and it, and you know, there's it hurts to play football. You know, I mean, it, uh, right. but yeah, 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 yeah. You could make a, wor- a living worse way, though. Trust me. Uh, oh, no doubt about it. No <laughs> doubt about it. Yep. So um, I think from Seattle's standpoint, you know, why wouldn't they resign him? Because he's there's nothing. There's no like you know locker room issues. Or I mean, he's a great guy and he's a he's a great player, good player last year. Um, right. Uh, but I think they do have some younger linebackers there that they've been trying to get in the mix. And I think we could also see that position go to somebody who's a little bit more of a pass rusher. I think of the, I think their defense is evolving this off season. There's, yeah. Some clues of that here and there. We'll see if they regret it, right? I mean, maybe maybe by the middle of next year, people will be saying they should have brought back KJ Wright. 
Well, I think it's a rep thing, like you said, too. It's if They don't need to have him in there now because he doesn't need the reps. Their yeah. young guys need the reps. And that's the case around the league. They're getting all their young guys reps now as much as they can, and then they'll reassess their roster come the end of these, this month. So maybe that's part of it as well. Why bring this 32-year-old guy in? He doesn't need this. In fact, I'm not sure he needs the first couple of weeks of training camp. So it may benefit both sides, whatever team might be looking and KJ, that, that he's not signed until you know mid-August. Yeah, you could definitely see that for him. I, fewer reps are probably better for his body right now. He can get yeah. tuned up, right? Um, and you know, tuned up over the summer, get a couple snaps in a preseason game, and he's ready to go. Yep. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. We did want to finish up our discussion on Julio Jones and that trade, which I, I liked for I really liked for Atlanta. I mean, I think it was time for them to move on and get mm-hmm. out from underneath that contract. And they got Kyle Pitts. They're going to pay Calvin Ridley. I had no problem with uh, that from their end. I think on the Titans' end, we'll see. I mean, I think yeah. you feel great about it going into the offseason. But you had a couple points you wanted to hit on uh, with him. And I think we can let you lead us into it and, and discuss it from there. Right. No, I think it actually, I think it's a good move for Atlanta, but I also think it's a good move for Tennessee. I, I think they really had a need. Um, so much of their roster though, for me is built on kind of what ifs, you know, they've taken some risks and our guys, uh, when I was in the league, always used to say, man, do we want to take some risk? I said, I don't mind taking risk. I just don't want to take it every day. And it seems like John Robinson has picked the riskier route more times than not when adding and, and maybe, Julio Jones stays healthy and maybe there's no issues. But when you combine it with some of the other moves they've made over the last year or two, they've taken their share of risks. So maybe maybe the, they're due to have a good one fall their way. But I thought the two things uh, with regard to Julio Jones before we put it to bed were, one, how easily they created the cap room to do it, right? I mean, uh, they redid Ryan Tannehill's contract in about two seconds and created about seven or eight million in cap room to bring Julio Jones on. And don't hold me to those numbers exactly, but the fact yeah. is they took all of his base nu- and turned it into signing bonus and created a large amount of money. Uh, probably some things there that Green Bay would have wished they had done back a few months ago as well to kind of help solidify Tannehill's position. But in Green Bay, that would have helped, I think, soothe some bruised egos with with regard to Aaron Rodgers. So Tannehill gets a uh, a little larger, longer rope 
to, to uh, be in Tennessee longer. Again, we're just pushing money out a little bit. He gets the money up front. So he, he gets a little cash influx. The other thing that, that when asked about this, and I think you asked me last week, does this put them, the Titans at the top of your list? And I still have concerns with their defense. I really In that division. Yeah. 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 In their own division. I just think that this move doesn't help their defense per se, unless they, their, their offense can open up a little bit and be more explosive. I think those are the things that, you know, kind of run hand in hand with each other. But I think just from a number standpoint, their defense has got to, f- they've got to find a way to, to shore up, uh, their, their secondary. They ranked near the bottom in passing yards given up last year, 270 yards a game. They allowed 52% on third down conversions last year. That was 32nd in the league and they only had 19 sacks. So I don't know that Julio Jones coming is going to solve any of those problems. So they've got to find a way. I think, and maybe that falls on Mike Vrabel's, you know, wheelhouse because he is supposed to be the defensive guru. They've got to find a way to shore up their defense and really get off the field on third downs more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Along those lines, though, you also work with, you have to look at, okay, what's available. If there was a Julio Jones of the defense available, then they should have signed him. But I don't know who that player would have been, right? So you're, as a GM, maybe you're, are you thinking, look, we can only do so much for our defense. We're going to have to outscore people, right? <laughs> Maybe we need a few more points a game. Does this guy, yeah. uh, you know, help us do that and make a bigger impact than whoever we might have signed uh, defensively? I like this better than the J.D. being clowny or Vic Beasley risky type moves with guys who haven't been consistently great players. At least Julio Jones has him, but the price is higher too. Yep. They got a they got a big contract with him. It's going to be a you know a, a second round pick. Uh, he may Julio Jones may have contract expectations in the future, all kinds of things. So yeah. um, that's some of the risk that you're talking right. about. But I think the positive from it, from a bird's eye view at thirty thousand feet, also for Titan fans, is the fact that John Robinson is really willing to take some swings. I like the aggressive approach. I don't necessarily like all the risk uh, sometimes they take, but yeah. I like going up to the plate and swinging and not walking away with a bat on your shoulder, having not swung at all. So he does that. He does it a lot. That's just his personal style. I'm for it. I get it. At some point we got to win, you know, uh, the the signings have to win us some games or the drafted players have to play and be productive. Time will tell. Yeah, absolutely. I think you got to give him credit too. I mean, no one was talking about how you had to run out and sign Ryan Tannehill. No one was talking about that. And that guy has, put up numbers if we just took the names off of the stat sheets right you wouldn't be able to tell his numbers apart from great top quarterbacks in the league which is amazing to me Uh, I'm not sure I feel like you know I feel like he's gonna be there long enough with things getting worse around him that it'll eventually come unraveled but that's true that's true in a lot of cases and and we'll see they're making efforts to make sure that that doesn't happen Um, defensively Randy I looked at them statistically so they're one of 156 teams since 2000 to win at least 11 games in a season. They rank 156 out of those 156 teams in their uh, defensive EPA per game, statistically the worst defense. So that's not good. I know defense has gotten harder to play. The, the stats have trended worse for everybody um, in the last couple of years. It's just harder to play D. But still, if you're 156 out of 156, what that tells me is you're not winning 11 games again doing that. You know what I mean? Right. You're the you're going to have a hard time doing that. So there has to be some improvement on that side. You can't just keep offensively outscoring your bad defense forever. Right. 
and combine that with the fact that they used their first round pick on a questionable guy, a corner from Virginia Tech who's had a couple back surgeries and may or may not even be healthy. So that's where I struggle a little bit in that if we're going to get better on defense, let's get some production and some guys that we know can play 16 games and and have seen some of the things they're going to see. You're talking about depending on a rookie now that's not 100%, that hasn't seen anything at the NFL-type speed yep. yet. So that, that's yep. a little bit of a reach. Yeah, so because, as promised, we're going to push the Ask the GM segment into uh, a little bonus podcast on Apple, we do have time to actually talk about football on the field or a facsimile of football on the field. We're not, they're not really playing real football in June. That's thankfully, right? I mean, we don't need real uh, injuries and bumps and bruises right now, but there are some mandatory camps going on, a lot of them. And as a general manager, you want to talk about that. Well, I just see the different approaches teams are taking. That's for sure. You see from from uh, coaches calling off the last week of OTAs to calling off two weeks of OTAs to guys actually in camp grinding 11 on 11 for a couple hours on the field. So I just think the approaches are all over the place and it's going to be interesting to monitor some of this stuff. I mean, we saw Kyle Shanahan call off two weeks of, of OTAs because they have so many injuries. They were killed with injuries last year as well. I think they just threw up their hands in San Francisco. They didn't know what to do. I think from a from a develop, developing player standpoint, OTAs are valuable. I don't know that your veterans get a ton out of them, but even if they didn't play the veterans in these OTAs, I think there's a lot of value for the young guys. I just think, for example, if you're a, a quarterback, the amount of reps that you can get in a three-day OTA on the field of 11 on 11 with not game speed, but pretty good speed, you know, a pace of four-fifths or so of what you'd see in a game – being registered and just the the familiarity you get with seeing these things is giant. And I was surprised around the league at some of the teams that did decide to nix their uh, OTAs. You know, Houston uh, decided oh, to nix OTAs. Yeah. I mean, that to me makes no sense at all. Why would they not, you know, work and and get every rep they can for whether it's Tyrod Taylor or or uh, Mills Davis or, or one of these guys, uh, you know, that's going to be their quarterback. They need to see all this stuff. And I think OTAs for quarterbacks are probably the biggest position that stand the benefit. I just think they, they can't get real live reps, so they can only get them in OTAs. And they have a first time head coach who doesn't yeah. have any reps in practice of running the show of doing this stuff. He hasn't even really been a, like a prominent coordinator. You know, you know what I right. mean? Right. So wouldn't you want those chances in front of the team? Plus they have a million new guys. If you look through their free signings, yes. Yes. I mean, they signed everybody. They, yep. they have, must lead the league in, you know, lower level signings um, yep. of guys that probably have those little stickers like they're at the family reunion on their shirt that says, hello, my name is Steve, you know, or right. whatever, because no one knows who even anybody is there. And and to that end, the OTAs that, that I have been around have varied depending on the, really the attitude of the head coach. But the one thing that was consistent is it does build character. It does build camaraderie. It does build in this world of virtual that we've lived in for the last year. Yeah. You're right. Now we get some face-to-face -face contact. You can take it too far. And I'll just tell you a quick story because I've been with Mike Holmgren's OTAs. I've been with Tom Flory's OTAs. I've been around some coaches that do things differently. Mike never grinded our guys to the ground much at all. But I'll, I'll tell you this one in Miami one year, and we had a veteran team in, in Nick Saban's, I believe, second year there. Um, we had the last day of OTAs in mid-June. 
And we had had them there, I swear, for two weeks straight and grinded them right down to the ground. The last 11 on 11 team drill in Miami, it's 100 degrees, it's 99% humidity, it's crazy. We have the biggest knockdown drag out fight you cannot believe. Jason Taylor, <laughs> Zach Thomas, oh, I mean, these star players are like swinging their helmets and, and going crazy with each other. And and we had, <laughs> I guess the, the whole Nick had inspired this because we coached hard, right? They coached them really hard and it just came out all in one drill. And I remember myself standing on the sidelines and I didn't say this, but I said, what the heck are we doing? This is crazy. We're sending these guys off. There are guys, there are other teams out bowling on the last day of school, right? Totally, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're doing nothing. And and we're risking life and limb at the end of a drill that means nothing with our veteran players. So I understand the protection that some of these teams and some of their yeah. players want when they went to bat to, to Nick's OTAs. But at the same time, there's value there. There's a lot of things that can be built from that, both pro and con. And, and again, it's just part of team building. So I think it just depends on coach's philosophy, how hard they go at it. But it can be a detriment to go at them hard. In that case, it it, it it's something that stuck with me for the last 15 years. I've never seen anything like it. Hey, it would be fun to take a couple of the younger teams now and, and just transport them back in time and watch training camp oh, uh, from 20, 30 years ago. It was yeah. brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Two practices a day. You're in full pads. Guys yeah. just popping goal line sessions. You know, It was right. like a game. Yeah. I remember uh, when my last year in Miami, we had drafted Ted Ginn in the first round, and there was some question about his toughness and how much yeah. he really wanted to compete. And I remember our coaches put him at slot receiver like 10 plays in a row. I mean, this guy's tongue was hanging out and Ted Ginn could run all day. But in that heat down there, they were they were just sending a message, right? Yeah, so yeah. that sometimes gets lost as well in these OTAs yeah. that you get canceled. You can't send any messages. You can't really coach per se. Maybe that's when we're kicking them in the butt and we're hugging them at the end of it yeah. all. But there's just so many things that I think can be gained from these opportunities. And some of these teams just flush these opportunities. So I don't know. I'd yeah. love to hear it from their angle. And we're talking about, hey, let's we don't want to get anybody hurt. But then you got Jawan James goes and gets hurt on his own time anyway. You know, I think if you're yeah. working, if you're working out and working hard, you get a chance of getting hurt. You know, whether right. that's at the team facility or on your own, but I'd rather have it at the team. As a player, I want to be at the team facility because then I get my, I get things covered, right? It's like, it's right. a, we're hurt on the job. You're protected. Right. Uh, and if I'm the team, that's where I want it to happen too, because then we didn't wonder, geez, if we didn't, what could we have prevented an injury, you yeah. know, in the guy's uh, home workout gym, you know, right. which we haven't <laughs> even inspected or whatever, or he's going right. to, he's going to a workout club where, the guy at the front desk started working last week and has one week experience in the fitness industry. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, that's no, not really you. the same same situation. So anyway, good stuff and something to watch. The teams are going to wrap it up this week and, and we're going to wrap it up this week. And we'll be back uh, for training camp, not just on the Football GM podcast, but uh, in the league overall. Randy, you got a final thought or two? What are you looking forward to in camps? And we'll wrap this thing up. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more of the saga out of Green Bay, right? I mean, yeah. from the complicated fella to some of the things that we hear right now, it's, it's, uh, the high road is empty and, and everybody's sending messages back and forth, whether it's Aaron wearing yeah. his I'm offended t-shirt or Mark Murphy saying something that's inserting foot in mouth. It just, it never ends. So hopefully that gets a little further down the road and, and people actually are, are professional about the way they are approaching their jobs. I think that's the disappointing thing about that now is it's kind of gotten unprofessional yeah. a little bit and kind of, that kind of stuff bothers yeah. me. I don't think that's good for the league. 
That's a great tease for our bonus segment that you can find on Apple. Uh, looking at Aaron Rodgers, Mark Murphy, the Packers. We'll have that there and we'll have much more as this summer continues. Continues.